0: The title of this morning's message is an example worth following. Very fitting, uh, I would say to uh, what we just went over. Uh, an example worth following, and so I, as we do go through this, um, through these scriptures and through this message, it's a message that yes is geared in acknowledgement of mothers, but I need to say also that mothers can do everything they possibly could to raise their kids up in the ways of the Lord, and yet still have children who choose to go in a different direction. So don't tune out just because this is a, 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 a message that is geared toward acknowledging mothers, Because this applies to everyone. And these are characteristics, these are traits that should be exhibited by every single one of us, as they are godly traits. An example worth following. You know, Mark Twain said this, quote, My mother had a great deal of trouble with me, but I think she enjoyed it. Close quote. Sam Levinson said, quote, Insanity is hereditary, you get it from your children. Let's quote. and then an unknown author said this my mom told me a million times not to exaggerate you'll get that later As <laughs> moms uh, have said this quote the fastest land animal is a toddler with something in his mouth that's incredible how does that happen I remember chasing after one of my boys that were crawling and sure enough something they sh- were not supposed to have in their mouth or in their hand and all of a sudden they like put it in turbo right and off they go Here's something else that moms say silence is golden unless you have kids and then silence is just suspicious Another one said this every time I say no, my kids here ask again. She didn't quite understand the question. Right, Isaiah? <laughs> kids, um, so here are some things that were asked about, you know, from kids and or that were posed to kids. What what kids think about their mothers? Um, what kind of little girl was your mother? This was a question. I don't know because I wasn't there. But my guess would be that she was pretty bossy. <laughs> Another one said, they, used to, they say she used to be nice. <laughs> 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 Another question, what ingredients does God use to make mothers? Uh, well, they get their start from men's bones. Then they mostly use string, I think. Stuff that kids say, right? And then another question. What did your mother need to know about your father before she married him? His last name. Another one said she had to know his background. Is he a crook? Does he make at least $900 a year? Did he say no to drugs and yes to chores? And finally, why did your mother marry your father? Well... One child said, my grandma says that mommy didn't have her thinking cap on. (laughs) And another one said, my dad makes the best spaghetti in the world and my mommy eats a lot. (laughs) And finally, Ashlyn, age five, said, when I'm too big for you to hold, I'll hold you instead. Proverbs one eight and 9 says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Listen, we can all learn from the mothers that we read about in the Bible. But we don't have... As we go through Scripture, we don't have many of those details on how they raise their kids, do we? We have some, but but not all. Other than basic instructions on what to teach them, that is God's Word. That's what we have. And we know we have some examples of what they did. Such as Esther, Ruth, Naomi, Mary, Elizabeth, and... The list goes on. We do have some examples. But have you noticed that their life of faith was just who they were? You know, sometimes we, we kind of have these discussions, you know, on what it takes. And we have books that are written in how to mother and how to father, how to parent, how to do this, how to do that. And yet, I don't know if there was anything like that. Before, uh, perhaps there was a kind of a bunch of speakers that went around in a circuit, you know, teaching others how to parent and how to do. I, I don't think there was that, right? You ever think about Jeremiah's mom, the prophet? All that he went through. How about Daniel's, Nehemiah's? Oh, we know about Samson's parents, right? We know about his parents, how they brought up Samson. Oh, he was a poster child, right? Certainly, he was the the one. In fact, God did choose him to be the leader of Israel, a judge for Israel. He was brought up under the Nazarite vow. He was consecrated or set apart for the service of the Lord. But although it sounded like, for the most part, that they raised him up right, and he did serve the Lord as one of Israel's judge, judges, we know that Samson fell grossly short time and time again. That's why I'm saying, hey, this message is not for moms. It's, yes, it's to acknowledge moms, but we need to all acknowledge what we have before us. What about the mothers of Peter and Andrew? James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot? How about Paul's? What was taught? What was the home like? How were they prepared? Was there something that made a difference? Because we're always looking for that, right? And moms, please don't kick yourself. Listen, we, we all have this thing called accountability. 3 John 1.4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. We know that for the believer, there's no greater joy. But our children have the responsibility to make their own decisions. Just like me. As I was growing up, I was not brought up in a Christian home. So I can tell you that I wasn't brought up like Samson. I wasn't brought up like Saul. I wasn't brought up like Jeremiah. I wasn't brought up like Nehemiah or any of the others who like, all they had to do is be referred to the Word of God, right? You know this to be true. For me, there was a a point to where I realized what God had done for me through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And from that point on, I wanted to know as much as I could about who God was and what he expected of me so that I could respond in a way that brought him glory. But every single individual will be held accountable individually for what they did with what they know about who God is and where to know salvation and who to know salvation through. But we always ask, what made the difference? How were they taught the Word of God? How was it reinforced? Proverbs twenty-two-six says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. But is this always the way it works out? Perhaps this verse is important also since children have free will. Because we have to, of course, consider the whole counsel of God, right? Not just a portion, but the whole council. Deuteronomy 5.16 says, Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God has given you. So, hey, listen. For kids, heads up. You need to honor your father and your mother. You need to listen to them. As I started out uh, mentioning in Proverbs 1.8 and 9, Hear my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. So what is it that they had? Well, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, in verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, we can do that literally. Scripture everywhere. In some homes, they are written on the doorposts and above and everywhere. Like, Scripture is everywhere, right? But in a very real sense, this... What this is saying in Deuteronomy Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 through 9 is live your life in such a way that everything for you is living out the scripture that you've come to know. It abides in your heart and you have come to live out in your life in every way. Raising up your kids in that way. Be the best example. Encourage. because. Being the best example and encouraging us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might, because this is what the Lord is pleased with. This is what honors Him. It's faith in action. Something else to consider is who Jesus regarded and commended as mothers, as, as mother and brothers. Uh, in Matthew chapter twelve, in verse forty six. It says, while he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brother stood outside asking to speak to him. We covered this in Mark as well. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. The family. The family. That God regards as being his family are those who do, do, actually do, the will of the Lord. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. Something very simple and something that as, as we pass along to others, our children... It is their responsibility at some point they reach the age of accountability. They are held accountable for their own actions. And that is why discipline comes into play. Because we expect them to know how to apply what they know to be right and wrong. Right? So they come to the age of accountability. And the one who loves the Lord will show it by the manner in which they conduct themselves. The mother who loves the Lord and shows it by doing His will is one who will exemplify a faith that is worth following. A mother who will lead another to the Lord and give them the best encouragement to follow Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 11.1 says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. In fact, Mary, which is who is held as, unfortunately, um, assumed into heaven, is the co-redemptress with Jesus Christ, um, and uh, experienced perpetual virginity, which we know that Jesus had brothers and sisters. This is all perpetuated. This is all uh, believed and taught in the Catholic Church. This Mary, which she is to be honored, she is to be regarded highly, But that is a false view, biblically, of who she is. Because this is what she said. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. That is a faith that has substance. A faith acted upon, a faith worth passing along. But we're going to go back as we have in times past to the mother of Moses. So in Exodus chapter 2, Exodus chapter 2, we know the story how it was in this time, this was after Joseph, because we know that the Israelites were seen favorably up to the time of Joseph's death, but some years had passed. And Things had changed. There was a new pharaoh or king. On the throne and the Israelites were treated as slaves. To the Egyptians. These were difficult times. They had been in captivity for some 430 years. When a new king came into power and saw that the number of Israelites. Had grown to such a large number that they posed a threat to the kingdom. And so. He first had the Egyptians ruthlessly oppress the Israelites and make them work harder with less. But the Israelites, in the midst of all of that, continued to thrive and multiply. And so because of that, the king of Egypt ordered the Hebrew midwives to kill all the male children who were born, but to allow the females to live. But because the Hebrew midwives feared the Lord, they didn't do as... Pharaoh had ordered them. Finally, the king of Egypt ordered all of his people, everyone. Saying in Exodus chapter 1 verse 22, Every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. We don't live in those times. In those circumstances, we're not living in that. And yet we have Moses' parents that expressed such... An amazing faith that they had this beautiful child. We know that he had an older sister named Miriam. But even in the midst of persecution and oppression, the Israelites continued to live. Amram and Jock married and had a child. Chapter 2, verse 1 says, Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him, uh, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river. While her young women walked beside the river, she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrew's children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother, and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and she became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Amazing. Listen, even in the midst of persecution and oppression, the Israelites continued to live and thrive. Amram and Jochbed married and had a child. And then in this, knowingly endangered themselves and their children, Moses specifically. As we read, Jochbed hid him for three months from the Egyptians, caring for him, loving on him, nurturing him. But after three months, she knew she could no longer hide him. Jokbed, hoping he would be found by a compassionate Egyptian. Maybe one of them, the Lord stirs and has compassion on him and cares for him. Made him a little waterproof canoe and sent him down the Nile. Listen, he could also have been found by another Egyptian as they were all ordered to kill any newborn Hebrew males. But Jokbed simply trusted that God would care for Moses in some way. And her faith allowed her to let him go. Isn't that one of the toughest things that we can do, parents? Just let him go. And trust them to the Lord. Moses' parents did not hide Moses for three months and then let him go out of fear. It wasn't because of fear but because they were people of faith. Hebrews 11.23 gives us that insight. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child, that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. So, very clearly, Hebrews 11.23 tells us it wasn't because of fear, it was because of their faith. Moses was taught the things of God all while Jockbed his mother, had him in her care by God's sovereign will. He knew he was a Hebrew and he feared God. Moses was taught an immovable faith. It was incredible, though. I mean, we don't have time to go into the story, but knowing that Miriam was following along, she went to the daughter of Pharaoh and asked, Do you want me to bring... A nursing mother from one of the Hebrews and uh, to, to care for him? And she said, yeah. Who did she go get? Mom. And then mom not only was officially given the opportunity by Pharaoh to care for Moses, right? But she was also paid. <laughs> How awesome. The things that God can do and he does do. Okay, let's move on to Hannah. I love going through and um, acknowledging these stories because they remind us of these faithful women who acted on behalf of the glory of God. That's what they were doing. Because in 1 Samuel chapter 1, we have the story of Hannah. We have the introduction to Hannah. As she was one of two women that were married... Um, to this man that we're going to read about here. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1, it says There was a certain man of Ramathaim sophim of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jer- Jerome, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zeph, an Ephrathite, who had two wives. The name uh, of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of Hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters, but to Hannah he gave a double portion, because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her, because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore Hannah wept and would not eat, and Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep, and why do you not eat, and why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? Men, I always point this out. Never say this. All right? I mean, you can say so many other things, but don't get to the point to where you say, am I not more than ten of our sons or all our children? Yet yeah, just... And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. So we know, as we read in verse 10, it says that she was in deep distress as she came to the Lord. She went to the Lord. While she was in deep distress, she went to the Lord. In verse 17, in hearing, Hannah believed the word of God and immediately demonstrated it. Her countenance changed. That's why I'm saying, when we come to the place of believing, of being confronted, perhaps, with something according to God's Word, and I say this, I know my, my wife laughs when I say this, you know, well, you know, what's wrong with you? Nothing. Okay, well, tell that to your face. Right? Because our face, our countenance, our, our, our posture kind of betrays us, doesn't it? Hannah, upon believing, completely changed. You see, she was speaking out of great anxiety and vexation. Once Eli told her what he told her, the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. At that moment, she completely believed. It was done. It was as good as done. And then in verses 26 through 28, we'll read through. In practice, Hannah kept her promise to the Lord. This is wonderful. She made a promise to the Lord, and she kept it. She was a woman of her word. It says in verse 21, The man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, As soon as a child is weaned, I will bring him. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who is standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord, and he worshipped the Lord there. It's a wonderful story of Hannah, Elkanah, her husband, And Samuel. She kept her promise. Hannah said that she would. Commit him to the Lord. And she indeed did that. Brought up Samuel in the fear of the Lord. Teaching him the things of God. And teaching him to serve God. Weaned him in that time she was able to spend. But that wasn't all. At that point she said okay. You've been weaned. It's time for you to go. Just as I had promised. And I'm handing you over to the Lord. Hannah demonstrated faithfulness toward God, even at the cost of devoting her son to the service of the Lord at a very young age. She was a woman of her word, and she taught Samuel to trust God and to follow him. And of course, we have two ladies that were dear to the Apostle Paul. They were women who were regarded by Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 1. These were, this was the mother and grandmother of young Timothy. Young Timothy, I say young Timothy, but it's believed that, that young Timothy, we always think of him as being very young, maybe perhaps in his 20s, you could say, maybe 30. But he was actually young Timothy. He was about 40 years old. So those of you that are about 40, man, you're young. Young, once you reach 50 and beyond, forget it, we're just old. Or ancient. <laughs> no, <laughs> no Tom is good. <laughs> Lewis and Eunice. 2 Timothy chapter 1. The Apostle Paul writes this to Timothy. In, in verse 3... For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us the spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. These are awesome words. This very portion right here speaks of what the Apostle Paul knew to be present with Timothy. He knew was present was with his mother and his grandmother. And he said, hey, for this reason, I I tell you, fan into flame that gift that you've been given. What was the gift? Oh, serving the Lord. Oh, go back to Samuel. Was that not the gift that he was given? Did Moses, was he not anointed to serve the Lord? Oh, we're seeing a pattern here, right? Two generations of godly motherhood. Timothy was brought up under the sincere godly faith of two women. And rest assured, it wasn't this kind of a faith in the home that was taken lightly. It wasn't like, okay, so we're raising Timothy. Um, You know, Timothy, I'm not going to impose upon you what we believe. You know, we're practicing this faith, you know, and at some point you're going to reach adulthood. In that time, you know, there's, there's so many different faiths out there, so many different religions, it's up to you, you choose. Do you think that's the way he was brought up? No, because that would be, that'd be a phony faith, right? If you truly believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father except through him, then would you point to Buddha or anyone else to provide something that doesn't even come close to salvation? Would that be loving? No, not at all. In fact, the opposite. No, he did not grow up in a home like this. He was taught the ways of the Lord. He was taught the very scriptures that others came to know. The very ones that we ought to be living out and teaching in our own home with great confidence It was a known, true faith in the living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the creator of the universe, the one and only saving God. He is the Savior. And Timothy was taught God's word by two generations of women who loved God. Powerful. This was a faith lived out and taught, a faith known and shared with their grandson, Timothy. In let me ask you this, um, was Timothy's father, was he Jewish? All right, so I'll tell you something perhaps you didn't know. What, what was he? Greek. He was Greek. Greek gods, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Was that the way it was? No, <laughs> right? Lois and Eunice, they were like, no, this is the one true living God. He is it. There's no one but Him. There is no other God. This is an example of faithfully teaching the Word and a son who honored his mother and grandmother, especially in the things pertaining to loving God in a spirit of power, love, and self-control. A faith that dwelt in them and dwelt in Timothy. It was a a sincere faith, a faith that was settled in in the heart, a faith that was weaved into every fiber of their being, a faith that resided in their mind and heart. It was just who they were. It wasn't what they did. What, What we do is simply a result of our faith. That's all it is. It's an expression of what and who we are in Christ. We don't have to think much about honoring the Lord when you are just simply... A man or a woman of faith, you don't have to think think about it. Are you going to sacrifice for that? I don't have to think about. It. Yeah, it's just who I am. Elizabeth, two two more, and then we'll wrap it up. Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, and in Luke chapter <clears throat> chapter one, verse thirty nine. Is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Her husband, at the time when news came to them, was serving as a priest. Elizabeth was barren. She was old in age. She was advanced in years. Um, She was childless. And Zechariah was visited by the Gabriel, by, by the angel Gabriel. Zechariah, uh, because at the moment we know that the reason why he was made mute was because he didn't believe in his heart. That at that very moment he was made mute and wasn't going to be able to speak until the birth of his son. And then they asked him what was his name. And it was not until he said, John. What, not Junior? No, not Junior. John. Was he able to speak? Elizabeth believed and was fulfilled, and it was fulfilled um, as far as her faith was concerned. It was expressed uh, by how she communicated with Mary when she came. They were a righteous couple, looking to the Lord. And regardless of their circumstances, they were faithful to bless and serve the Lord, teaching their child to fear the Lord and to serve Him all His days. There are some people to where there are certain circumstances in life to where they hold this bitterness and resentment toward God and then fail to honor him and glorify him no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in. For Elizabeth, she could have been bitter toward God. I'm, I'm, barren. I'm, I'm advanced in years and you still have not given me a child. Zechariah could have said, you know what, forget it. I'm I'm not going to serve you. And yet he was found serving the Lord. She was found faithfully honoring the Lord in her belief. And she expressed it by what she said. And this was all reflected as they were blessed and privileged to have John the Baptist. Born to them. And that's what it says on his birth certificate, by the way, John the Baptist. He was the baptizer. I know, it's one of those goofy jokes, right? (laughs) John the Baptist was a man who was not afraid of calling on everyone to repent. He wasn't, right? And John was used to prepare the way for Jesus just as it had been prophesied. John was taught a faith worth possessing. And then finally, in closing, uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Again, in Luke chapter 1. So stay there and just go back one page. If it's, uh. So Luke chapter 1, verse uh, 26. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. barren for nothing will be impossible with God and Mary said behold I am the servant of the Lord let it be to me according to your word and the angel departed from her so we need to note Mary did not question God in that very moment it was not not uh, if it wasn't there was no doubt whatsoever in fact she just said but how right how, how will this be I'm a virgin We know how these things work. And so, how? I don't know. With man, these things are impossible. With God, all things are possible. Right? And Mary regarded herself as, again, a servant of the Lord. Just like Hannah. A servant of the Lord. And she submitted to the word of God, according to verse 38. And let me... This out to you also. It's not here, but it's in, found in John 2 5. Mary's last recorded words are these His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Those are, all, those are the last words recorded of Mary. Do whatever he tells you. And this was at the wedding at Cana. Hebrews 11 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please him. And Mary was pleasing to her Lord. All of these mothers had one thing in common. They exercised their faith. And in this, what came about was the legacy they left in their wake. Moses was a son who was chosen by God to lead God's people out of slavery in Egypt. Led them for 40 years, being the instrument by which God gave the children of Israel the law and prepared Joshua to succeed him and lead the people into the promised land. Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. He was the last judge of Israel leading them until the Israelites demanded a king like the rest of the nations. And then Samuel was directed by God to anoint not only the first king of Israel, but also the second, the man after God's own heart. He gave great counsel to both. Timothy was a man used by God in the early church to prepare, organize, contend for, and build up the church in sound doctrine. And you could say the hub city of Ephesus. It was a, a city that was very worldly, and yet that's where Timothy was sent to shepherd God's people. His influence in God's faith with God's people is still felt even today. John the Baptist was a man used by God to prepare the way for Jesus Christ who said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And in John 3.30, he says, He must increase, but I must decrease. Something that should be proclaimed every single day by each and every one of us. John wasn't afraid of anything or anyone because he feared the Lord above all. He was born to prepare the people to receive Jesus as Christ, as Savior, to introduce Him to the world. Jesus, well, He is the Savior of the world. He came to die for our sins, to take it all upon Himself. The best way to raise a child is to live a life of faithfulness toward the Lord, whether anyone else does or does not, in your home and outside of your home. Whether the circumstances are favorable or they're not favorable, Teaching them by word and deed. Are you consistent? Are we living sacrificially unto the Lord? Come what may. Are we doing so within the church? Because, by the way, we're all called not just to come here on Sundays, but often so that we may be the church together together. Not splintered, but together. All of these lived and proclaimed one God and one Lord, one Savior. If a godly mom could say one thing that she desires of her children, I believe it would be this. And perhaps by your response of amen, you could agree or not. 3 John 1.4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. because this is God's heart and desire for all. 2 Peter 3, nine, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. I'll leave you with this. <clears throat> for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son... That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. But then it goes on, verse 19, and says, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. Lord, what we went over as far as Scripture is concerned. and your word, Lord, these are examples worth following. For they sought after you to bring you glory. In the manner in which they conducted themselves in their faith. And I pray, Lord, that we would not be fearful. That, Lord, first and foremost, we would repent of our sins. We would confess them to you. Lord, that we would know that, that without that, without repentance, Lord, there, there is nothing of value within our lives. In fact, we remain condemned as we read in John chapter 3. But Lord, the moment we confess and repent and turn to you. Lord, there's salvation that awaits us. And I pray, Lord, that we would be a people that express our faith, not just declare it, not just speak about it. Not just speak about you, Lord, but we worship you by the manner in which we live our lives. In word and in deed. And that perhaps in that we would express, Lord, that faith and be an example to someone else, especially our children. Lord, that they may see that you are true and that we truly love you and have faith in you. And they desire to do the very same thing. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, for being faithful, for your love toward us. Salvation is known through Jesus Christ alone. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So let us confess our faith in Jesus Christ and let us walk that faith out by what we do and who we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.